0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12 month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive
1: between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary.
0: Listener supported.
1: WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour, a co-production of WNYC
2: Studios and The New Yorker. Welcome to the New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick. Given the level of partisan rancor between the two major parties, and honestly, rancor, feels like a huge understatement at this point. You would think that the parties share absolutely nothing in common, but that isn't exactly the case. Here are two points of agreement between many Democrats and Republicans. An increasingly hard line toward China and a general suspicion or hostility toward tech companies. So the idea of banning TikTok, which is owned by a Chinese company, is getting real traction in Washington. A ban had been floated during the Trump administration, but at the recent congressional hearing with TikTok's CEO, members of both parties were in full display of performative outrage, even members who wouldn't know TikTok if they saw it on their screens.
1: So if I have a TikTok app on my phone and my phone is on my home Wi-Fi network, does TikTok access that network? It will have to, to access the network to get connections to the internet. That's, That's
2: not enough for me. That's not enough for the parents of America. Can you say with 100% certainty that TikTok does not use the phone's camera to determine whether the content that elicits a pupil dilation should be amplified by the algorithm? Can you tell me that? The Chinese government has that data.
1: Congressman, I have seen no evidence that the Chinese government has access to that data. They have never asked us. We have not provided.
2: Well, you know what? I find that that actually preposterous. We're going to talk today about the U.S., China, and TikTok. Joining me a little later is our Washington correspondent, Evan Osnos. But I'll start with the journalist, Chris Stokel-Walker.
0: Chris, where are you? you you're in the, I'm based you're, in Newcastle, England, so oh, uh, I'm 300 miles north of...
2: Stokel Walker writes frequently for Wired, St- and he's the author of two books, YouTubers and TikTok Boom. TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, um, which of course is, is Chinese, says it has 150 million users in the United States. Can you Give us some context around that number. How much of a hold does that app have on its, its users? Yeah, the
0: average user spends pretty much as much time on TikTok in a given day as they do the average feature film exists. So this is kind of like a—you know, you spend ninety minutes or so on TikTok every day if you are the average TikTok user. Obviously, okay,
2: time out. One hundred and fifty yeah. million people are spending an hour and a half, two hours a day on TikTok.
0: Yeah, because you just—you get sucked in. Basically the way that the app is designed is is engineered to try and keep you going. So you, know, you open the app and it is a significantly different experience to lots of other social media platforms. It is full screen, it is immersive, it is vertical video. You are thrown headlong into an endless torrent of videos that scrolls past you without stopping. Core core. What is it? And why is it suddenly taking over TikTok? It's kind of the world's cinema playing all of the different (laughs) genres possible all
1: at once. Guys, I figured out the reason why I'm single. There's 10 movies on Netflix that you've never heard of, but should totally watch.
0: This one is an absolute banger. Woodchuck by
1: Huddy. How much wood would a woodchuck suck if a woodchuck was a bad... This b- is what you need to be doing in 2023 to go viral on TikTok. A lot from 2022 has changed, so make sure you lock into this right now. Roe v. Wade and what happens next in under 60 seconds. The Supreme Court just overturned... federal. Second
0: Earth has just been discovered by NASA. Here's what you need to know.
2: You're a user of TikTok. What are you particularly enthusiastic about watching or looking at? I like the fact that
0: you can express yourself much more on TikTok than you can on any other social media platform. I, I wrote a book on TikTok, but before that, two years before that, I wrote a book on YouTube. And I, I kind of have made it my job to study digital creation, the idea of how you express yourself on the internet in this world which is increasingly now how you express yourself in life full stop online and offline worlds have blended together for all intents and purposes in the kind of you know 20 plus year history of online creation and online expression there have been huge barriers to entry you know you needed good equipment you needed good internet connections you needed good cameras, good microphones, you needed time to edit videos, you needed uh, photogenic looks, you needed to be having a winning personality to sustain uh, an audience over a a 10, 15, 20-minute video. TikTok breaks down those barriers, and that is in large reason why it's so successful, why 1.5 billion people worldwide use it, is because... The app allows you to just pick up and create. It doesn't require a lot of thinking. It doesn't require a lot of effort. It doesn't require a lot of equipment. It has made creators of all of us, which is good in one way, but bad in another way. But I think more than any other platform that has gone in the
2: past, Mm -hmm. it, it allows us to dip in and out. Let's get to the politics of this. The main concern that we're hearing from the Biden administration and many members of Congress is security. What is their fear exactly?
0: Their fear is that TikTok is sending all of your data to China where it is sucked up and monitored and wiretapped by some Beijing-based spy for the Central Communist Party of China. That um, essentially they are learning all about you um, through your habits, through your interests. I I personally don't buy it. I think that actually, you know, (laughs) there there are several different, angles to this. Number one is if the Chinese Communist Party was actually interested in your your preference for baseball versus football, or your choice of different types of music, or your your' uh, whether you like knock knock jokes or whether you like carefully constructed you know satires on society it could get that information from any number of other Western social media platforms where you provide exactly the same data I think that the, the difference here is one of perception which is that the the app has that inexorable link. To China, so much so that you know the parent company ByteDance prefers to say they're based in a known tax haven. But before Cayman we're Islands. too
2: dismissive, before we're too dismissive mm. of this, it, it's been shown in, in in previous years that, in fact, um, American owned social media has not been such an innocent player uh, mm. at all. So why shouldn't we be suspicious of TikTok and with the added dimension that it's owned by the Chinese, which, you know, we'll get to in a second with Evan Osnos, who spent a hell of a long time in, in China. Go ahead, Chris. I think
0: we should be suspicious of all social media, but I don't think that TikTok is the attack factor that we think it is. Uh, I think it's... Um, How do we know? Well, we don't, and this is. But this is the challenge. How do you disprove a negative? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it's 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 that classic journalistic question of when did you last beat your wife, David Remnick? When did you last beat your wife? Mm-hmm. Yeah, by asking that question in that way, I am supposing and presenting a kind of negative viewpoint of you. View by yet, having, but,
2: but there is one instance that's been documented of TikTok employees tracking a journalist's data. Mm. It stands out at least to my innocent years as an example of what's possible. If the company is tracking other journalists or politicians, would we ever know for sure what's, what's going on?
0: No, I don't. And I, and I, you know, I, I come to this uh, in, in a sort of relatively unique position in that you know I am not based in the US. I am not born in the US. I have, I'm 33 years old. I've spent my entire online life living by the rules designed by a small cadre of people in Silicon Valley who think that this is the way that the world should work. And so to me, as as an outsider from outside the US, I, you know, I, I'd i love to say to you all, this is what it's like for the rest of us. You know, we, we you are encountering for the first time what it is like to be the taker of the social norms on these platforms from an entirely different country. And, you know, there are these concerns. You're right. You know, we can't overlook the fact that, you know, <laughs> This company spied on journalists, which is absolutely abhorrent. We can't also overlook the fact that it is a Chinese company. It has origins in China. But you're asking us to overlook that fact, aren't you? No, I'm I'm saying that this is exactly the same as any other platform.
2: Now, as I understand it, though, the concern is not just the tracking of user data, but the algorithm itself. The idea that TikTok could be used as a sort of propaganda machine favoring opinions sympathetic to China or critical of the U.S.
0: Yeah, this is one of the interesting um, pillars of the argument against TikTok and, and for banning it, which is that uh, the Chinese state could be surreptitiously feeding us pro-China content that could essentially program us to rise up when they choose against our governments and overthrow capitalism in favor of Chinese communism. Um It is an interesting idea, and we certainly know that state-sponsored propaganda and prompting of users through social media happens. We have lived through the 2016 US presidential election, where Russia was shown to have interfered in our democracy and to have seeded ideas about the way that the US worked through social media platforms like Twitter. And it's that precedent, I think, that nullifies the concerns around tiktok and the idea that this is being seeded with propaganda because ultimately even if we were to ban tiktok and say the chinese state cannot use those platforms they do this already on other platforms we know of state sponsored interference through twitter through facebook through instagram all of those platforms are used and would be used even if we decided that tiktok couldn't be
2: we should we should also add just, just to to round out the the picture, where social media is concerned, Twitter is already banned in China, as are other apps. How come the Chinese banned Twitter and those other apps?
0: I, I mean, they, they they banned it because they dislike the idea of free speech, which is what's so curious about the the push to ban TikTok now. Is it seems ironically quite Chinese to kind of crack down on something because we're worried about it, um, and we're worried about the kind of content that is shared on it
2: so on one hand the chinese are worried about social media from abroad for free speech reasons we're worried about it for um surveillance state reasons
0: yeah and i think i think it's um it is interesting to, to see that we're going down that line because tiktok has been banned in other countries before uh, in India, they, they banned it in, in June 2020 over a border dispute with China, where they, they, the government at the time in India said, you know, We are banning this because of a geopolitical problem. And, and what this is essentially to me, it seems, is a, a sort of longstanding, very angry geopolitical dispute that is being trussed up in sort of national security clothing because we feel more comfortable saying that rather than just coming out and saying, this is actually, we dislike China. China flew a spy balloon over North America two months ago, and we think that that is a problem.
2: We just had a congressional hearing at which the CEO of TikTok sat in front of uh, a congressional panel and took pretty much of a beating, it seemed to me. Um, What did you think of that spectacle, Chris? I thought it was um,
0: reflective of a lot of the big tech hearings that we've seen in the past, but there was this added venom, I suppose, um, which I do think comes from that that China connection. You know, we have diagnosed here the the problem, which is that we we share a lot of information on social media that we, we shouldn't, but we've kind of misdiagnosed it as China, um, and and it was. I, don't know, I think it was disappointing as someone who has been you know, kind of scrutinizing this uh, company and this app for, for many, many years to try and find that smoking gun. And I'm not the world's best journalist, but I'm also far from the world's worst. And <laughs> yeah, I, I was hoping to hear in this hearing some sort of evidence of that bat phone between Xi Jinping and and ByteDance.
2: Did you hear any sense of expertise? I, I, I'm afraid this is the, the world's most leading question. But I, in the past, when you've seen congressional panels on social media, the level of cluelessness and ignorance was kind of stunning. Yeah. Um, sometimes endearing in a kind of grandparent-like way, but but stunning. And did you see any difference this time around?
0: Um I wasted five and a half hours of my life. <laughs>
2: um, it,
0: it, it, there, 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 there was there were lower lowlights than we have seen in previous tech hearings. For example, question, uh, one uh, congressman asking whether TikTok connected to his home Wi-Fi router, which yes, it does, because every single digital service that you use utilizes that. There were some interesting. Um, small chinks of light to to be had in it. There was a line of questioning around um, the communications tool Lark, which is used on ByteDance's servers. Um, Mm -hmm. But generally, um, this was a lot of heat and almost no light. In fact, I'd I'd say it was kind of a total eclipse of knowledge. It was just (laughs) the darkest thing I've ever seen.
2: Chris Stoker-Walker is the author of TikTok Boom. We'll be back in a moment with Evan Osnos, who's based in Washington and has reported extensively in China. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour, with more to come.
1: WNYC Studios is supported by Lincoln Financial. The questions around retirement have gotten tiring. Instead of, have you saved up enough? Make your pastimes last a lifetime at lincolnfinancial.com slash action plan. Lincoln Financial Group, marketing name for Lincoln National Corporation and its insurance companies and broker slash dealer affiliate Lincoln Financial Distributors, Inc. Copyright 2024, Lincoln National Corporation. On this week's On the Media, does the rise of X signal the fall of traditional right-wing outlets? You don't have to have this website and a link that people have to click on. You could just say stuff, and he can get attention. You know, you don't need to be Breitbart to do that anymore. Also, what does decolonization really mean? On this week's On the Media from WNYC. Find On the Media wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This is the New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick. We're looking today at the politics of TikTok. Politicians on both sides of the aisle have expressed interest in banning the app or enforcing ByteDance to sell TikTok to a U.S.-based company. Now, the general suspicion about TikTok comes largely from a concern that Beijing could lean on ByteDance, which owns TikTok, to direct what videos get seen. Some polls worry that through TikTok, the Chinese could exert influence on political opinion in America, particularly among young people. Now, before the break, we heard from Chris Stokel-Walker, a British tech journalist, and we'll get back to Chris in a moment. But we're joined now by New Yorker staff writer Evan Osnos, and he's based in Washington. Evan, you lived for years um, in Beijing as a reporter for the Chicago Tribune and then for the New Yorker. Let's step back and look at the broader moment we're in with U.S.-China relations. You wrote a piece not too long ago called Sliding Toward a New Cold War, a very ominous piece To what degree do you think the anti-TikTok sentiment is a symptom of a real hardening of anti-China positions in this country that's not limited to left or right or center?
1: It's quite striking, David. I have to say, as somebody who's kind of been studying and watching and reporting on the U.S.-China relationship for couple of decades to see how precipitous the change has been i mean in broad strokes for 30 years from the time that nixon went to china in 1972 uh, all the way up until this period when yeah you know, there was this time in which american companies and american individuals and students basically believed that the future involved China for them. And there was this assumption that, look, China is in so many ways utterly different than we are. Its political system is authoritarian and not uh, it's not going to wake up tomorrow as a democracy, but that bit by bit it was becoming a little bit more like, like us, quote unquote. And I think there's been this profound change. And it's really only happened since about maybe 2015. That's when you began to see it towards the end of the Obama administration. It became more acute during the Trump administration. In 2018, of course, the U.S. imposed tariffs on Chinese goods. China responded in kind. And so you had this trade war that signaled this new era. And the the net effect is that today, as we're talking in 2023, the U.S.-China relationship is at its most uh, deteriorated condition since 1972. I mean, there's just no other way to put it, David. It is it is at a really acute and and in many ways dangerous moment um, because of growing tensions over Taiwan, over human rights abuses in China, over the way the United States has responded to these things and its own internal political chemistry. And I would add one other thing, which is that in some ways, TikTok arrived in Americans' lives in about 2018. It's just been about five minutes. And in some ways, it coincided with the same period of collapse in the U.S.-China relationship. And so they became synonymous.
2: So TikTok is a symbol, a a, a symptom of a a larger problem.
1: Exactly. And in a way, if you're a member of Congress, you look at TikTok and you say, this is the clearest emblem of my... Concern about China, and this is something I can talk about and touch.
2: Evan, what does it mean politically that Jamal Bowman, for example, or Alexandria Ocasio Cortez are among the members of Congress who think that banning TikTok is ridiculous? Is it because they're younger and use social media so prominently in their own political lives?
1: Uh, there's no question that they are in touch with that 150 million Americans who tended to be tend to be younger than the average voter. Uh, They are listening to their concerns, not only about access to an app, but also about what they would view as a kind of hypocrisy on some level. Mm. They'd say, well, why is it that we're going after this company, but not after Google and Facebook? I I think that the, in some ways, China's decision to ban not just Twitter, but also Facebook and the New York Times Mm -hmm. and a whole host of other foreign information sources... It makes it actually – the that's in some ways the most credible piece of evidence to then take action on the U.S. side. If you're looking for an argument for why the U.S. can and should do something, you come down on the argument for reciprocity. You say, look, this is an imperfect solution, but as long as China is banning these kinds of American companies – Why is it that we're going to allow them to have free reign here? And whether or not you think the final destination should be that everybody is banned, it forces a conversation on the Chinese side to say, well, why is it that you expect to have full access in the United States when you don't grant that uh, uh, the other way? How do
2: the Chinese rationalize that?
1: They don't have to. In a sense, (laughs) what they say is, uh, your system is yours and ours is ours.
2: We saw a real campaign by Chinese officials to defend TikTok, even as the company itself tries to distance itself from the the Communist Party and the Chinese government. Is it possible to untangle that relationship?
1: I think the honest answer, David, is that it's impossible to untangle it. In the end, if you are a company in China, there is a point on the horizon, and you don't really know when it is, when they can come to you and say, now we want access to your data, or we want access to your executives, or we're going to put pressure on your leadership to do things that they might have committed publicly to not do. That's just the practical reality. And I think TikTok finds itself trying to come up with ways of segregating its relationship in the United States from its broader relationship in China. And that's just very difficult to do.
2: Chris, what would a TikTok ban actually look like? I think it would be pretty significant.
0: I think, um, again, we can look to prior precedent in India for, for kind of an example of how it would go, um, which is you would see homegrown alternatives trying to step up in its place. And that didn't really work in India because, frankly, those, those homegrown versions were developed so quickly in the aftermath of the ban that they just were imperfect copies. Um, handily, we do have... Two pretty uh, well-formed, well-funded competitors: YouTube Shorts and Instagram Reels. Two massive tech companies uh, who are developing essentially TikTok-alikes, things that look pretty similar to TikTok and have been for several years. As they've seen the rise of TikTok eat into their market share, it's also notable, actually, that um, you know a lot of this political maneuvering and wrangling comes off the back of lots of lobbying on behalf of Meta to say TikTok is a little bit of a risk here. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we, we can't overlook that. Out of that pure economic
2: self-interest, you're suggesting.
0: Precisely, yeah. And I, I think that is interesting to think about. Uh, whether or not those uh, users of TikTok, those 150 million Americans, would port over their accounts to Instagram or to YouTube, I think, is yet to be decided. But this is exactly the
2: point. It's my experience, and maybe everybody's, that when people have something and they enjoy it um, and seem to use it two hours a day, as, as you're suggesting, which is an incredible number, 150 million people getting disappointed all at once is going to have political ramifications, isn't it, Evan?
1: I think there is a real political element here. Chris touched on something very important, which is the fact that the Facebooks and the Googles of the world have a really strong interest in actually seeing TikTok disappear. I think actually that, in a way, the larger political question that isn't being talked about because people are focusing on China is the fact that we don't have a meaningful federal protection statute of any real kind that prevents ordinary people whether they're kids or adults from having their data collected and misused whether it's by an American company or a Chinese company and in some ways that's the conversation that is th- that is necessary I-, I look at it partly through the lens of my own kids who are too small right now to be using it but it's just a matter of time before i'm going to be sort of transposing my own neurosis about it onto them and i i do want to see us do something that would make that would make the world a little safer for them and some of that is our own behavior and then some of that is also ultimately i think asking regulators to do what we've done whenever there's a new technology that right. comes into our lives whether it was automobiles and saying look it's not that we're going to ban the automobile but let's put sa- let's put seatbelts in them and let's and, figure out a way to make ourselves Chris what
2: would seatbelts be for for tiktok or what is what do you recoil from that sense of um, restriction I don't. I don't. I think that
0: we need um, better regulation. I think the problem is that at the minute, with the the sort of politicians that we have, the seatbelts would be made of silly string and kind of tied <laughs> together with loose knots. Um, and this is this is kind of the challenge. We we do need regulation, but we we're in this awkward flux period at the minute where, um, <sighs> truthfully, yeah, we need to wait for older people to die and And you know younger people to take their place. the aocs of the world are not yet the decision makers that they need to be and And so if we have bad regulation enacted, this could set off a kind of series of chain reactions that could lead to the thing that we've kind of been avoiding for the entire history of the internet, which is we essentially run parallel splinternets. Mm. You know, in the same way that China has a, a splinternet, where you can access some services that are similar, but not all of them, we could run that same risk in the United States, which would be really catastrophic for not just users in the United States, but also for outreach to those in in different parts of the world that we want to educate
2: about our, our norms, our societies, our democracies. Evan... Why do you think this is such a bipartisan issue when bipartisanship is a vanishing phenomenon in in American political life?
1: I think there is a a way in which... China and TikTok as a part of that has become almost a a kind of source of relief for (laughs) politicians because they're divided on absolutely everything. And yet here is this one topic. We can all agree on TikTok in China. (laughs) Well, in a sense, that's how it seems. That's how it feels in the room. You know, if you watch, there's a set of hearings that have been going on with a select committee on China. And there is a, a certain degree of glee that you detect among the participants that they finally found something that pulls them together. And I think that as a citizen makes me a little bit uncomfortable because anytime we have too much of a consensus in Washington, an unexamined set of beliefs, that means that we're at risk of something. I I think... You know, we're now talking about 20 years after the invasion of Iraq, and it's not too grand uh, an analogy to make to say we need to be really vigilant as citizens, as journalists to question what it is that the government is is basing its assumptions off of. And one of the questions that's been asked is to say, I know that TikTok is is vulnerable to the Chinese government's requests. We know that that is a fair reading of the facts, but we also don't know exactly what it is that our government believes is is possible and, and what is the risk? And oftentimes when you raise that question, the answer that comes back from people in the US government is, well, if you had access to the information I have right. access to, the intelligence, then you would agree with my level of concern. But I think all of us have learned that that's not really a satisfying answer to any
2: question. In fact, it's often a disastrous answer to a question. Chris, in the UK, is are there similar concerns about TikTok or is this a particularly American phenomenon? No, this is
0: this is um, a global issue now Uh, and actually it is multiple countries around the world, multiple jurisdictions following in the US's lead. So uh, Canada has banned TikTok on uh, government devices, the European Union has done a similar thing, the UK uh, banned it on government devices and then eight minutes into the congressional hearing announced that they were banning the use of TikTok on the UK parliamentary estate so that would be essentially the equivalent of banning it from any use on the hill in the US. Uh, And what's interesting is each of these countries, and there are more, New Zealand, Australia, others, have kind of taken this approach of banning TikTok partially. Um, They're not banning it countrywide, which is what the US seems to be trying to do, which will be interesting to see whether it Mm -hmm. holds. They've been choosing a sort of half measure. Hmm. They're saying we're going to focus this specifically on a very, very small proportion of users, government users. I mean, it seems almost like this is a way of signaling to the US that we are behind you while also not really poking uh, the bear in a way of angering everyday users.
2: Chris, you're obviously very skeptical of a ban of TikTok. Um, And it does seem that in trying to regulate social media, the government so often gets it wrong what is the smart way to think about or deal with this problem
0: i think we have to recognize that you know we we have uniquely failed over the last 15 20 years to get a grip on social media and tech more generally you know and and we're so beyond being able to get a grip on them through any sort of regulation, whether it's in the US, whether it's in Europe or anywhere else, that they have to essentially self-police. And that doesn't always work. And, and we kind of see you know, the excesses of that, particularly in how Twitter is spooling into a kind of odd death spiral right now, where the the, the sort of conceit that you know the, the tech executives will be the grown-ups in the room, and we've kind of thought that they haven't been previously has been shown that actually they're trying pretty well to do so with Elon Musk in comparison. So I think (laughs) if we can't get that kind of federal data regulation, as Evan says, or any kind of antitrust level sort of crackdown on these big tech platforms, I think we need to kind of take ownership ourselves. We need to be much more cautious about what we share with these platforms. We need to, you know, monitor where our data is going so in practical terms what would we have to change so you you don't use your real name on social media if you are really worried about these national security risks which you know we have had previous concerns around TikTok being banned on army bases several years ago and and that is kind of a valid concern but Mm -hmm. then also if you're on an army base don't record video on any social media platform, because people can glean information from that, from what they see in the background. Clean out your data regularly. For instance, you can you can reset your TikTok algorithm if you worry that it knows too much about you. Um, those are sorts of the things that we should be doing. But we should also you know not necessarily give up on the idea of regulating this officially. We should be asking our politicians to do better. We should be you know getting AOC like tech literate politician Dilhan Omar is a Twitch streamer which is yeah means that she has much more lived experience of this stuff and knows it innately more than anybody else who is kind of blustering from behind a a pulpit in Congress
2: I think the line of the day is we have to wait for the old people to die (laughs) (laughs) Um, thank you both it was a terrific discussion My pleasure. Thank you. Chris Stokel-Walker writes for Wired and other publications, and he's the author of TikTok Boom. Evan Osnos, of course, is a staff writer for The New Yorker. I'm David Remnick. That's our program for today. Thanks so much, and see you next time.
1: The New Yorker Radio Hour is a co-production of WNYC Studios and The New Yorker. Our theme music was composed and performed by Meryl Garbes of Tune Yards with additional music by Louis Mitchell. This episode was produced by Max Balton, Brita Green, Adam Howard, Kalalia, Avery Keatley, David Krasnow, Jeffrey Masters, Louis Mitchell, and Gofen Imputabuele, with guidance from Emily Botine and assistance from Harrison Keithline, Michael May, David Gable, Meher Bhatia, and Alejandra Desche. The New Yorker Radio Hour is supported in part by the Chirina Endowment Fund.
0: Are you a software professional looking to make a lasting impact on people and the planet? At General Motors, our vision is a world with zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. And we need innovative people like you to join us on this journey and challenge the limits of what is possible. From autonomous cars to software-defined vehicles, you'll translate breakthrough technologies like AI into experiences that people love, all
1: while pushing the world forward toward an all-electric future. See how you can shape the future of mobility at careers.gm.com.